Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where Jason and I explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. Sometimes to make that living, we have to get past the assistant. Yes. Right? Oh, gosh. That I need to get an agent, mm. but how do I, I... I need to get... I'm an actor, and I need to get uh, acting parts. Mm. How do I get an agent? Mm. I can't get past the assistant. I can't, there's always a gatekeeper. A that, gatekeeper, That yes. is keeping one of the undesirables out and that mm. makes you an undesirable and how do you live on purpose mm. if your you know if your purpose is to be creative and express yourself and make a living you got to get past the gatekeeper so we're going to talk about that i know you have ideas well i do but there's actually a funny uh quote and i can never pronounce his name correctly uh jay something or other i apologize now uh from uh, the Super Troopers franchise, movie, Broken Lizard comedy thing, and he always had a, he has a saying that basically says, you know, when you're trying to get through the door, it always feels like there's a bunch of people on the other side holding it closed. So then you go in through a window and you realize you're right. <laughs> there's a bunch <laughs> of people on the other side, and then once you're there, they just kind of go, okay, I guess you're here now. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. So so you know they. they there is truth in the fact that there are quote unquote gatekeepers out there, people who are there to stop the flow. Because if it was if it was easy, everyone would do it, and then everything would be mediocre. Well, I I got to tell one short story about okay. uh, how I launched my career, and there was a gatekeeper, and a very ferocious one, and how I got past that gatekeeper. Okay, but you know, I was very young at the time. Um, I was, I think, I was. Ooh, what was I? Twenty two something like okay. that and um i decided i i was a magician mm -hmm. and i decided that um i would play pe playboy clubs because at the time um they had female singers mm -hmm. but they had uh no female comedians certainly no female magicians mm -hmm. and i thought wow i'd be the perfect opening act for the stars mm -hmm. at the playboy club because i wouldn't be another guy yep competing with them yeah right so you're looking for a niche and you went for that yeah. right and so i went and i looked up who books playboy clubs and his name was Irvin arthur okay <laughs> Irvin arthur and he was in the nine thousand building on sunset mm -hmm. so i called and i went hi i'm judy carter i'm a girl magician i'm really funny and i'd be great to play playboy clubs mm -hmm. and i didn't know this at the time but it was his wife sandy who was his um assistant and he goes mr arthur only takes people who have representation mm -hmm. but i'm really good no right mm -hmm. no so yeah. <laughs> right right yep. and i have no agent mm -hmm. i have no nothing but i had a sense that i'd be really good mm -hmm. for this so i took my magic tricks in a suitcase mm -hmm. and i just went there oh geez and okay. i said hi I called on the phone, mm -hmm. and I'm a girl magician, and I just and I'd be really good, yeah. right? Just like so innocent and mm -hmm. unaware. Miss, she repeated it, Mister. R. I said, "Well, I don't have an agent, but you know, I'll just sit here mm -hmm. and like this was before like terrorists and everything, where yeah. they call security, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Way before all mm -hmm. of this, right? So I'm just gonna sit here, 
And maybe if he has a second, I'll come and show him something, what I do, mm -hmm. right? And so I sat there one hour, and I saw Mr. Arthur come out of his office, look at me, go back in, mm -hmm. right? He's busy. Somebody else came to see him. Two hours, he looks at me. And it's the end of the day. He comes out, and he goes, come on in. Oh, okay. I came in. I showed him a magic trick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I laid him across his desk and sawed him in half. Some really <laughs> crazy stuff. And he said, that's really good. I'll tell you what. I'll put you on tonight in Century City Playboy Club. And uh, you do your show. And I'll give you dinner. You'll have dinner with me and $50. Right. Oh, wow. And if you're good, we'll see. We'll see what the audience reaction. I did it. I was great. He became my manager. He nice. also managed like at, for a short time, Andy Kaufman oh, and wow. some other people. And uh, he, he had managed um, Joan Rivers. I mean, he was the manager oh, yeah. of comics doing live performance. And uh, I performed at every Playboy Club across the country oh, wow. and uh, launched my entire career. And it was from that certainty I yeah. had. Well, it's 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 that certainty, and also there was that kind of mentality where it was like he doesn't do this. Oh, I don't care what he normally does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Judy Carter moment right there. I'm just gonna sit here until he sees me and sees what I can do. Like what you normally do has nothing to do with me, you know. Um, and I it's, it's 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 I just was ignorant like yeah. of how anything works. And it served and it served you in that sense because you 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 got up and you just said, "Well, I'm going, and whatever happens happens." And you and know, I was so authentic too because yeah. I was I wasn't bullshitting. Mm -hmm. I just really truly saw this as something that would work, and I yeah. was. 100% right about it. Yep. They had no female com comics, mm -hmm. you know, and they needed like a young, cute girl mm -hmm. opening. And that was that. There you go. And, you know, like, it, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, I have very strong feelings about gatekeepers. Uh, and I myself, uh, you know, I was a stuntman for years. I, you know, I own my own business. I do production. I pitch projects and shows and things all the time you know i i am very used to rejection i am very used to to people saying no and one of the biggest things that that i discovered at least in in, in sort of now in the later part uh of of having my business is that i had to redefine what these people were because here's the thing about the term gatekeeper it has a permanence to it it's like you know, if you don't get past this person, you're done. That's it. Your life stops here. That gate has been kept and you are on the other side of it. So I don't even use that term that much anymore, except when I'm explaining this to people. I call them seat fillers. Because here's the thing. Most gatekeepers are people who have these jobs because they couldn't do the job that they're protecting. If you look at most studio executives, most things like you know, uh, agent, manager, they, where do they come from? They're lawyers. <laughs> most of them are lawyers or have a law degree or a business degree or things like that. The other half are people who did this job for a living. 
got tired of what it was, but was still wanted to stay in it. So now they do this. They're an agent. They're a manager. They're a manager's assistant or something like that. All of these people have ended up in their job because it was a job that was created by someone and that seat needed to be filled. I need someone to keep all the riffraff away. So put, put someone there to keep them from getting to me. I need this and that to, I, we need to make this process harder because we're looking for the cream of the crop. So add these three you know, gates and All right, put so we're looking there. at the psychological makeup of what we now no longer refer to as a gatekeeper, but yeah, a seat filler. A seat filler. So if you're looking at them as a seat filler, suddenly it doesn't mean the end all and be all if they go away. Or if they, I'm sorry, if they stop you. If they stop you, He's a seat filler. There's there's hundreds of these. You know, I'm gonna. There's he's got a seat too. I'll go over to his seat and see what happens there. He's not keeping anything. He's not preventing anything. He's just he's just a, a, a you know something in the road. I got to steer around. You know. So once you take that sort of emotional aspect out, then you have to think about the next part of it. Anyone who is a seat filler, that means that job was put there for a reason, and they ended up there for a reason. And they're going to go away someday because of a reason. I have pitched tons of content to things like Amazon and, and you know, all sorts of different places and concepts to uh, business owners for video production and things like that. I have never pitched to the same person at a company twice because I'll show up year 2016 and I'm talking to Phil and Phil's the gatekeeper. And he says, no, I come back late 2017 and now it's Jane. Where'd Phil go? Oh, Phil doesn't work here anymore. Yeah. Well, Phil wasn't that, if Phil was that important, he'd still be here. But guess what? He's not. They cycle through agents, managers, executives, studio owners, gallery owners. So these are people who are not our temps. Yeah. We're really talking to temps. And so we give these temps enormous amount of power. Yep. And we become fearful of them. And many, and here's the other thing about many yeah. of these people who are in these jobs know that. So they know that th- they've peaked. This is as far as they're going to go in this business. So they're going to prevent to keep as many people below them as they can because that's the only way they're going to ever have any value. Okay. Now, I don't mean to say that all managers are jerks and all assistants are monsters and whatever, but there are a lot of them out there who are like, the only way I can feel any value in what I do is to make sure that there are still people below me. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and and that's true with any job. You know, there's always that one supervisor who thinks they're the bee's knees because they make a dollar more an hour because okay. they know how to unplug the fry machine okay. and you just know how so to dip the stuff. every in. actor out there wants mm-hmm. an agent. Yeah, right? absolutely. And and every agent has a what we're calling now a seat filler. Mm-hmm. Um, how and even the agent themselves can be considered a seat filler because a lot of a lot of talent doesn't stay with the same agent their whole career. Right. If they get to a certain point, what do they do? Right. They go to a different one. Well, I thought my other one was the great one. Isn't he the great one? Yeah, but he can't get you that thing at Showtime. Oh, and that guy who got you that thing at Showtime, he can't get you the the headline at Apollo. And that yeah. guy can't get you. So suddenly you start realizing there aren't really any gates. There's just a bunch of like random paths that are all intersecting. And these are just like the little goblin at the bridge that you have to answer the riddle to go past, you know, yeah, okay. something like that. So the moment you start stripping that stuff away, the other thing too is that gate's not always going to be guarded by the same person. 
you know, so they're a seat filler job. They're so going to go away. even if you do say something really stupid to them mm-hmm. and make an, an a-hole of yourself. Yeah. Which I don't recommend, but no, could I don't, happen. No, let's just say you do. You mm-hmm. take a chance and you do something and you turn this person off, mm-hmm. right? Then uh, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they'll be gone soon. Because they may be gone. You know, yeah. they, they could okay. be gone tomorrow. So so now you're just, <laughs> you're basically diminishing this role more and more in your psyche, which means it's not going to hurt anywhere as much as, you know, when they reject you. Because it's like it's like being rigid. By the end of it, you're just being. Like, you should never said the word temp because now I'm gonna think that yeah, with every okay. meeting I'm in, I'm like, oh, the temp didn't like me. Oh well, <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> who cares if the temp doesn't like you? They're gonna be gone in six weeks. You know that's the thing. So when you are feeling like you are stuck because of that one guy just wouldn't let me. Oh, if so and so would have just you know, if they would have just said yes, this would have all be different and whatever. That mentality is only going to lead to to more suffering and more confusion and more anger and more, you know, complacency in your work. But knowing that, how mm-hmm. do we get past them? Well, that's see, that's the wrong question to be asking, because Uh-oh. if the question is, how do I get past this one person? You've now narrowed your focus and you've made all of your goals about them. The question is, is how do I get to my next level with or without them? So if I'm an actor and I want an agent and I can't, I don't know anybody and I don't know anything, I'm going to start looking up. I'm going to do all my research. But another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start creating tons of my own content. I'm going to just, whatever it may be, whatever, whatever my resources can allow me to do, that's what I'm going to do. So if I put 50% of my uh, energy into researching and submitting to agents, the other half of my energy is going to go to creating my own content. So I'm always performing and doing stuff constantly whether I have representation or not. If I suddenly have, and if it takes me three years, you know, or however long it takes, and we talked about earlier, if, if the longer the struggle, the bigger the happiness at the end. Yes. If it takes me that much longer, suddenly someone's going to go, hey, you know, we're looking for a giant white guy who looks like a cave troll. Come on in, you know, we made a thing, you know. Um, and look who's starring in the Game of Thrones. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My first stunt job that I ever got, I was always too big for the small guys and too small for the big guys. Hilarious. So I never got, I was always, no, nope, no, I can't think. And I tried to get on with stunt teams and all these other groups and not, you know, they, what happened my first gig, which is sad because I ultimately got fired, but I still got paid and I still got thing, was I just happened to be the, the same size as Michael J. White. And he had just done a bunch of movies where he was beating up, like he's a, he's a much larger actor than most, most uh-huh. actors are. And in all of his movies, it, there's no threat because all the bad guys are half his size because <laughs> most actors are small people uh, or smaller people. So he wanted to do a, an action movie where he was fighting guys his size. And it was hard to find guys his size who could do the stuff that, that he could do. So they saw me and they're like, you're his same height. You're, you, I mean, he's much more muscular than you are, but you're big and you're strong. And you can do some of this stuff that he does. You're coming in because this is exactly what he's asking for. You know, this is after like 10 years of getting nothing. Suddenly I, I'm the perfect guy, <laughs> you know. So, you know, we come in, we rehearse, we do all this stuff. Now, ultimately, the studio ended up changing stuff and they ended up not using me and the team that I was working with. 
but I didn't have any control of that. I still got hired. I still had a SAG contract. I got a SAG card. You know, I got the whole, like, all this stuff happened after all that years of training and work because I just happened to be the right size. But you never gave up. I never gave up. And you pursuing what you wanted to yeah, pursue. Yeah, I got turned down at everything. I got, oh, my God. I got laughed out of the Universal Studios stunt show auditions. I just, oh, man. It's there's so many th- things. But, you know, but now I run my own production company. I hire those people now. <laughs> you know, I got guys who I couldn't get past before coming to me looking for work. You know, but so I love you know I I love the whole notion because a lot of people I know are obsessed with getting that one agent and that's mm. going to be the be all and end yep. all. And I I at one point got into that um, conundrum and and then what usually happened when I got an agent and signed with an agent and you have that meeting at you know the big agency and it was ICM at the time. And they all and all the agents gather and they talk talking about your career and everything that's going to happen. And you got like, you know, seven dudes there, yeah. with, you know, in their corporate suits telling about like your yeah. career and how great you are. That's when my career came to a grinding halt. Mm, because Be- because I got back. past the gatekeeper. Yeah. I got an agent. I got signed. I was with ICM mm-hmm. and nothing happened happen because i assume now that i had an agent i didn't have to do anything that's and see and what you said right there (laughs) that's the last step of this is as long as you consider these people seat fillers as long as you consider that there's going to be many paths and that these people are going to be moving all the time and changing around it's not going to be the same person the moment you realize there's alternatives is always going to fuel your drive You'll always know you have to keep doing, keep performing, so keep no, creating. You know, I, I think uh, women will understand this language when I say, um, you know, the whole mentality of someday my prince will come. Mm-hmm. You know, when your prince comes, kisses you, wakes you up, that's when your real problems yeah. happen. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's got bad breath. Yeah. He's uh, not letting me leave. He's an alcoholic. Whatever it He's is. He's controlling. Now you're He's stuck being a queen. Now you're stuck and you got to do a... all those jobs. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so so this notion that one person you've got to get to because this is the person that's going to make it all happen. This one's the difference that's, maker. Yeah, that's the problem right there. That because is the problem. When if that one person does like it, it's just I don't know one person working who has not had a disappointment. Um, and when you ask a lot of people how did they make it or mm-hmm. how did they get it or how did they start making money, it's without a doubt on their own. Mm-hmm. Something that they did, that they met, that they're putting it out there. They did a benefit over there mm-hmm. at this hospital. They met this guy who introduced them to this person who ended up getting them a gig here, who ended up somewhere doing something else. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think of Dan Ninen, who is one of my students, who's, mm-hmm. you know, making a fortune uh performing and he just went to see russell peters at the improv russell peters went on and killed the audience still wanted more he said hey can i go up Mm -hmm. they put him up russell saw him and then had him open for him yeah you know it wasn't through an agent it wasn't through a gatekeeper Mm -hmm. it was through like i love comedy i go out and see it Mm -hmm. um i i do it i you know as much as i can that's what it is um, so about getting past the gatekeeper, 
Well, when you get past it, that might be where your real problems happen. Absolutely. So, so I loved create yeah. content. Mm-hmm. Do what your purpose of life is. Put it out there. Mm-hmm. Do it. Get together with with people who are like minded like you. Create things, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. put it out on the internet. Yeah. If you can redefine that term in your head, if you can redefine the gatekeeper, if you can redefine that thing, and 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 come to that understanding, then every day you're going to be fueled to do more because that's what you need to do. You know, it's all it's all right there. So assignment wise <laughs> for because we like to give an assignment at the end of every episode. Um, I will make a recommendation. You can make your own recommendation okay. of what I think they should do. Uh, personally, I like to treat this more as like a thought exercise is I want you to go back. And this 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 may be more spiteful and may have more to do with me than anything else. Go back and think about one of the people that, because everybody, if you're creative and you're pursuing this as a career, you have come across a gatekeeper who has said no. Someone who you thought, oh, if they just let me do blank, I'll get to the next level, whatever. Go back and think about that person now as someone who just lucked into that job. Someone who got there entirely by accident. And realize that you have got so much further to go, and they will always be right there. <laughs> Diminish their power. Mm. Diminish their power, right? Mm. They're like, they're, just think of them as your cousin Seymour. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, call them Seymour. I got to get past another Seymour. Seymour, yeah, Seymour, right. who's the security guard at the carnival. Yes. <laughs> love it you know it's just uh it's just another seymour we got your focus off that someday Mm -hmm. my agent will come someday this person this is the person Mm -hmm. this is what's going to be because in my career it's never been that exactly (laughs) go out and and go out and create content If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening and let's find your message and launch your career.